0: Favorite film. Awful. Hello and welcome to your favorite film is awful. The podcast where we defend your favorite films from negative reviews. As always, I am Luke MJ Powell, and with me today is very special guest, actor, director, international friend. <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to Sarah Lena Powers. How Hello. are you doing? I'm
1: doing good. How are you doing, Luke?
0: I'm good as well i'm very excited because uh, so me and myself and saralina know each other from a audio drama that we're doing for the marauders it's a fanfic thing mm-hmm. it's very exciting very fun today's like my last recording oh, of course you're God. not going to hear that recording for many months from now uh, yeah. it's, oh it's excitement
1: could be a while <laughs>
0: It could be a little bit of a time. But very quickly, do you want to tell people what the audio drama is?
1: Um, The Marauders Audio Project is set in the wizarding world of Harry Potter of his parents, starting in 1976, spanning until the majority of their deaths or incarcerations in 1981. It follows their canon endings for the most part, but it really dives into the themes of found family, queer romance, as well as dealing with life in a world on the verge of war. There's a lot of discussion into hate groups, morality, and how our choices are what defines us. So it's a really interesting look, and it's a very strong anti-JKR commentary due to her recent transphobia over the years.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I just want to say it has been a lot of fun being part of it. And So yeah, on that kind of fantasy mindset, we're going to veer wildly, talk (laughs) about this podcast. What film have you brought us to defend today? I have brought
1: Labyrinth.
0: Labyrinth, the 1986 film? Mm -hmm. Okay, and for those at home who haven't watched it recently or are going into this podcast blind, what is Labyrinth about?
1: Well, Labyrinth is a film made by three of the greatest artists of all time to collaborate in this way. It's from David Bowie, Jim Henson, and... George Lucas. Uh, They decided to make a fantasy world set in almost an Alice in Wonderland style, but a completely different take, um, where the young girl, Sarah, who's 15, 16, depending on what synopsis you see, uh, (laughs) it's never stated in the movie, she is a bit bratty, dealing with being the child of separation and divorce, doesn't want to have to take care of her brother. She finds it exhausting that she's expected to do it just because she doesn't have a social life and decides to wish away her brother to the goblins because he's annoying her. Um, And the wish is granted and the very magical and powerful Jareth the Goblin King from the underground, played by David Bowie, appears and tells her what's happened, and she can, if she truly wishes, attempt to save her baby brother from the labyrinth in 13 hours. And Sarah, of course, being a moderately decent person, realizes she has fucked up and decides to go after her baby brother. However, the labyrinth is full of many different tricks that are intended to get you never to the center. And she meets quite a few interesting characters along the way that choose to help her out. She does the infamous character growth thing that everybody does at that age when they're going through a uh, hero's adventure. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a pretty good generic synopsis of it. More s-
0: that's was, that was brilliant.
1: <laughs> more spoilery would be thinking about how there's two different avenues you can take this movie. You can take it at face value, it's teaching you a lesson, or you can take a deep dive into all of the background imagery and stuff that is presented just real quick to really dive into what's happening and why and by the end you can decide Mm. for yourself if it was all something in her head if it was all just exploratory how to grow up or if it actually happened and what it means by it actually happening because Jareth the (laughs) Goblin King being the bad guy is one of my favourite points to discuss. So I'm really hoping that comes up in one of these reviews.
0: And I, I hope that <laughs> something comes up. And if not, we can talk about oh, it anyway.
1: I'll talk about it at the end anyway. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so I have a very quick question that mm-hmm. uh, this first reviewer kind of highlights. Um, how is your eyesight?
1: How is my eyesight? I'm actually... I've yeah. never had glasses. I have perfect vision. okay. I don't even have an astigmatism. That's, that's really...
0: Really? That's really bizarre because, first of all, the film is awful. It's terrible. I don't know why we're doing it today. Uh, This first review, the one-star review from Asher S, asks a very important question. Are all the critics blind? Mm. The protagonist is unlikable from the start and the plot (laughs) is unfollowable. I'd have rather baby Toby became a goblin. (laughs)
1: that's funny because she's not supposed to be likable so but uh, you got the point there you're at least not entirely yeah. blind she's not supposed to be likable she's supposed to grow yeah, it's almost she's a, a
0: child character growth and oh, you know yeah. she starts off this bratty selfish teen mm-hmm. and, and becomes a more well-rounded person
1: and in terms of like socio-emotional growth of that age range for the things that Sarah has gone through which by the way these are all canon but you have to pay attention to the background to understand what's going on um with her Mm. she's not just a brat she's a child of separation and divorce and she's not getting attention she's got a new baby brother in the household so all of her attention-seeking characteristics are going to be negative until she figures out how to make them positive and get positive interactions and she gets a lot of that in the labyrinth from those friends Mm
0: -hmm. because Mm -hmm. she doesn't
1: get it from any of her parent figures so I, you know, I blame the parents a bit for that one. But the plot being unfollowable oh, yeah. kind of sounds like you just weren't <laughs> paying attention because it's quite, quite simple. What? She's got a lot of tasks. What? She's got How to could fulfill. you say
0: that to Asha? <laughs>
1: I mean, when you literally are going through a, a maze and sometimes things get turned around, but at least we didn't like repeat back to anything. It's just a bunch of small tasks to larger tasks she has to figure out. And riddles. Mm-hmm. There's some good riddles. Yeah.
0: And I say the, the plot is super followable because it's a very easy, objective-based oh, yeah. story of I am at A and I need to get to point B. Mm-hmm. That's it.
1: And you have to tolerate... <laughs> I, my
0: problem is get to baby.
1: <laughs> yeah, my problem is get to baby. But my overall problem is dealing with the unfairness of the world and the fact that that's just how it is.
0: Yeah. It's that whole- And now
1: that we've established that, how do we deal with it? Like that- there's- there's the emotional growth and there's the gotta save my baby brother. There's- everything else along the way is just helping get towards that or hinder that. We don't really deviate.
0: Nope, nope, nope. And sometimes you don't need to. No. It's one of those, the imagery is so wild anyway. So yeah. if the story was any more complex, then it would be oh, unfollowable.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a bit, no offense to The Dark Crystal, which is also a fantastic similar movie made a few years before. That one is a lot mm-hmm. harder to follow because they've got this whole, um, from what I remember about it, this hierarchy, this like history of these creatures that you kind of have to yes. understand right away which Sarah gives us everything from the get about what's happening. So by the time the Goblin King shows up, she was like, wow, she already talked about this in the park. Yes. Thank Yeah,
0: The Dark Crystal is is a grandiose epic. This is a much smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Like the it's very interconnected and personal for Sarah to grow. And it is just this vehicle for that bratty teen who doesn't have all this attention, like you mentioned to grow mm-hmm. into somebody that, you know, will share a teddy bear.
1: Yeah realizing that it's not her brother's fault her parents don't give her attention
0: <laughs> i also loved that at the beginning where she sees the lancelot is missing immediately is like well, someone's oh someone's been, been in, my in my room, room again again <laughs> i crosses the hallway <laughs> to her baby <laughs>
1: brother who definitely crosses the, sees it. the
0: baby brother who can't even get out of his crib <laughs> And he's like, You're the one that stole my teddy bear. That's it's just... your fault. Not one of the parents that would have been able mm-hmm. to reach the teddy. It's you, Toby. You're the little bastard.
1: Yeah. And it's and it's because the parents felt like they can take the teddy bears for the baby. Everything is the baby's fault. Mm-hmm. The baby is the reason I don't get attention. Exactly. <sighs> Emotional growth sometimes takes a minute.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. I feel like we've countered Asher quite well there. Mm-hmm. Let's go on to Brody.
1: All right.
0: So this one is slightly longer, so I'll make some pauses for you can interrupt as as and when you feel. All right. This is a one-star review. Very bland. The acting and writing was terrible. The graphics were terrible and made way too cheesy.
1: (laughs) Okay. Graphics right off the bat. The owl in the opening sequence is the first real CGI animal to have ever ever been created. So, of course, it's shitty now. It's 40 years later. But it's an impressive feat for the time. Oh, 100%. The special effects are phenomenal. They're all puppetry. They're all set. They're all real. And there's not anything but... They used a black screen instead of a green screen for the fireys. So that does look different to what we'd expect because we didn't know that green was the go-to color at that point. So the fireys that using that black background to edit in that forest does look different. But once again, I'm not going to fault something from 1986 for experimenting with technology. There was so many fucking people working on this movie to have only four face actors and the rest hidden in puppetry. Mm -hmm. Like, there was hundreds of puppeteers and people working on this movie, and it's those effects alone what they use to create the puppets noticing all the little details there's multiple frames where you can see a puppet spider skittle across the screen just in the corner
0: oh there
1: is i believe seven hidden david bowie faces that they decided to just do for fun
0: and they're not (laughs) even just
1: directly put in one of them is only when these four rocks line up it looks like his face and then the camera pans and it's gone it's like a two second thing so yeah, no. The amount of effort put into this thing and how they... How I wish puppets were used more in this capacity for fantasy.
0: Um, oh, 100 We
1: lean on CGI so much now, but that element of realism with puppetry is so there you can believe in these creatures so much more than you can watching avatar because no matter how good it gets it's still uncanny valley for the next few years
0: but yep, yep, yep. yeah 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 on the podcast we've spoken much about the ideology of practical versus digital effects mm-hmm. and i think the avengers is such like a key comparison when we're doing it with this one Mm -hmm. because it's meant to be like these grand set pieces but then you see the behind the scenes it's like oh no they're just lined up and there's big old blue screen behind them or Mm -hmm. big old green screen behind them and the occasional prop but then in the behind the scenes for this the whole uh, goblin city that they they made it and the camera just zooms out it's like oh no there's all the crew they, they've made this. They're all there's there. a massive landscape. <gasps> They're all there. They're all doing The hand doing
1: tunnel is terrifyingly real. They dropped yes. her down that thing, and it's full of mainly rubber hands. But there's about 20 mm. people with their hands in those hand puppets, actually in that tunnel with her, holding
0: yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: <laughs> it's amazing the extent they went to for this kids film. I mean, when the when you mm-hmm. call it in George Lucas to fucking help with this thing, and he has been working with special effects with Star Wars, and decided to. You know what? No, let's let's do it this way. It's really, really fantastic to experience and watch. They only used two on location sets to film on. Um, One of them was three different towns that she runs through in the beginning of the movie in the east coast of New York. Mm. Everything else was done in England. Um, They used one specific park in England for the opening of the movie and then she somehow ran across the ocean to the various towns in New York and Jersey (laughs) to run through the American looking places but everything else was done in sound stages and they built everything and they really did a good job building all those different optical illusions as well when building these sets.
0: They did so much work for this. It's so good. Truly. Yeah, and I agree. The line, the graphics were terrible and made Way too cheesy. How is, old are you? And it can, <laughs> yeah, it's there's two. I agree with you. There's only two, potentially three, even scenes which are the black screen fire demons mm-hmm, because fires. it does have the harsh black line around them, and yes. then the owl. So the two hours, the the two times the owl pops up. Yeah. Everything else because it's practical, it's ageless. It's just wow! Look at it's that so thing. Good. What the hell? And
1: then once you tell so people good. that the owl is the first CGI real animal that they attempted to make Mm. they're like oh well of course it looks like that then that was the first time Mm -hmm. you know people immediately once you once you know that it 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 really stands as the accomplishment it was i don't know why they chose to do it though it doesn't affect the story at all to have that cgi owl
0: (laughs) just for fun you know it just makes it 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 it. magical It's, it's it's all well and good having david bowie magically appear but what if he magically appears because he was an owl?
1: Oh, God, that may- that reminds Sounds me of how mystical to me. the practical stuff they did with his... Americans jokingly call those fushigi balls, but the crystal balls that he juggles... Oh, yes, the crystal the balls. The effects that they yes, did yes, yes. to make that work always make me laugh when you watch those behind-the-scenes yes. ones. Well, yeah, that Have was, you seen uh, any of that stuff?
0: Yes. I was going to bring it up later, but let's bring okay. it up now. It's um, Michael Mush- Moshen. Yeah. He's the juggler who has to, like, stand S- behind Literally Bowie. was, like,
1: up Bowie's ass um, under his cloak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving things <laughs> along, and Bowie's just sitting there looking like he does it, and it's fantastic every time. You never would have guessed that they so hit a whole good. man behind him and <laughs> stuck his hand up his shirt, and it's really well done. I. It- don't know how he it does so those well the b- crystal juggling but it's good
0: it is, it's so impressive oh, i suppose blind.
1: i've now thought of that third instance of that cgi they do cgi some of the bubbles as the crystals <sighs> the turn into bubbles. bubbles and stuff but i wouldn't even think about that's that because true. you know magic can fall into that different category of maybe this is what it looks like we don't know that's very true magic doesn't have
0: to look pretty no yeah. okay let's let's see what else brody has to say oh god yes um
1: I forgot what the opening was. I got so s- concentrated on the...
0: Oh, the f- well, we're only two lines in so far. Bad acting.
1: It's- I always I always ignore bad acting comments because that is so subjective. Yes. And even working as an actor, like, there's so many different circumstances happening. You don't know what choices were made, if it was intentionally supposed to be that, or if you as a person have just never met someone who acts like that, so you think it's not real. Mm. Like, I, bad acting, whatever. Judging things like that. Unless you genuinely can't react to something happening to you in real time, I'm probably not going to call out bad acting.
0: Also, it's the fact... So, George Lucas was, Mm -hmm. uh, I believe, a producer on this. Yeah, yeah. And so, you've just got to look at Anakin Skywalker, and especially in 2 and 3, where he's played by Hayden Christian, I believe. Yeah, Hayden Christensen. Yeah, Hayden Christensen. And everybody hates him because (gasps) he's being quite awkward. He has those uh, stilted line deliveries... And it's because George Lucas wanted that from the mm-hmm. character. He wanted this awkward sorry teen he that doesn't quite fit in. <laughs> yeah, like sorry he did the job.
1: <laughs> it, like he, you don't like him, but that's okay.
0: <laughs> it's just,
1: just like with Sarah, we don't like her. You can't simultaneously be like, oh my god, I don't like her character at all, and then say it's also bad acting, because you had an impression of the character. Mm. You had a feeling for her. Yeah,
0: to hate a character means that they've acted well enough for you to hate the character. To recognize it's a character. (laughs) Let's see, where were we? The storyline was predictable and dumb, but the characters made it worse. (laughs) Oh, the shock. Man, (laughs) this guy
1: does not want a hug from Ludo. Poor, poor Ludo. Say that to his face, man. Agreed. Um.
0: Also, I think it's that's wrong anyway because they set so much up at the beginning that it's yes, if you're looking out for it, potentially predictable. But on a rewatch, you see all of the key elements throughout the film. Yes. In her bedroom and in those early scenes. Oh, there's so um,
1: much in that bedroom. It is fascinating. The entirety of her backstory is hidden in that bedroom.
0: Mm. Uh, She's rehearsing the play Labyrinth at the beginning. Mm -hmm. She has the poster of the stairs maze. She does. The Uh, Esther
1: room. Yes. The best backer. Like everything you'll see pop up. She has the fairy dress in a little... A music box, music dancing style thing. She's got fieries as little stuffed animals in her room. She's got a little statue of Hoggle. She's even got a statue of the The Goblin Goblin King King on
0: her dress table.
1: Yeah, my favorite things, though, are what we know about her mother from her mirror. Mm. That her mother is an actress who works on Broadway, Mm. who, judging on the fact that we never even meet or talk about her, is not really in her life. There is a picture of her mother... With David Bowie, and in the headline talks about them being in a play together, and there's some debate over if the play mm. was Labyrinth,
0: ah, that or not. sense.
1: So there's some some interesting thought there. People often catch the David Bowie photo. In the background and think it's just because she has a crush on him and not that he was potentially someone who worked with her mother. But you see pictures Mm. of Sarah and her mother. You see notes from her mother, if I'm not mistaken. There's like lipstick on one of them. The lipstick, I'm pretty sure, was her mother's. So she's got a strong connection to a parent that is not in her life. Yes. Which is another huge factor towards that social emotional growth that happens. But yeah, those those background elements that are never mentioned or used are the are the sneakiest ones that matter so much.
0: If you want to waste some of your life, watch this. Mm-hmm. If you want to watch something entertaining, watch Maze Runner or literally <sighs> anything else.
1: The Maze Runner movies were so bad. Once again, I have to ask how old this reviewer was. Like out of curiosity that you said let me have a movie from the 2010s against a 1986 film <laughs> and on top of that maze well, runner came out at the end of the teen dystopian craze
0: of the yes. 2010s yeah yeah, yeah. so
1: it, it wasn't unique at the time i mean it's good like the storyline is fine but man those latter half movies bombed Sadly, and I saw all of them.
0: I can only assume they've picked Maze Runner as the example because they're both films in mazes.
1: Maze Runner is about (laughs) they have to run in there to, they're trying to find a way out. It's like a dystopian world. I mean, you find out later in Maze Runner that they're testing these kids to find an antidote to. There's zombies in Maze Runner, but you don't find out until the second and third movies uh-huh this is far this is more information than i've
0: ever known about maze. um
1: yeah so the death cure i believe is either the second or third book and that's what they're looking to do is to test these kids
0: ah fun
1: it's just it's that's a very very dystopian like if you're gonna if you're going to talk about running through a maze or having to get to a point A to point B or save my little sibling, go for Hunger Games, man. No. That's at least. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also not similar even slightly. You're, you're aiming, no. Labyrinth is aimed at like kids and tweens. Like it's still very enjoyable no. as an adult. But Hunger Games and Maze Runner are aimed at an older audience. And so they're going to have very different, darker themes, like death and dismemberment, which is not something you're going to worry about in Labyrinth.
0: No. And in fact, they were in the big climactic battle sequence. They were strongly like, let's make this a big battle, but fun. So there'll be no death. Somebody gets crushed and they're just like, "Yep, I'm okay. Yeah.
1: The little goblin commentaries. One of my favorite background commentaries is the tile flipper that keeps moving the tiles Sarah's putting lipstick yes, on. Yes,
0: that is so um, fun.
1: And he says, uh, you fraggy, fraggity, your mother is a frickin' Ardvark. <laughs> and then goes back down. And I, you know, should be using this insult more regularly, apparently. Yeah. Your mother it, is a, fr- it might be the, fraggin'.
0: Off the dome, aardvark. just every time. Just, what? You don't like me? Fraggity, fraggity, it's, your mom's an aardvark.
1: Your mom's a fraggin' aardvark. <laughs> this is an interesting accent, too. I couldn't place the little tile guy's <laughs> accent. He doesn't like the graffiti on his house, though. Don't graffiti his house.
0: Don't do it. If I could rate this less, I would. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the singing. It was supposed to be like a musical, but gave me and my friend a headache and made me want to puke.
1: I'm still, I'm still stuck on the fact that this person has to be under the
0: age of 18 when they did this review. Oh, we're getting there. The reveal is soon.
1: Oh, it is. <laughs> God, if they're any older than that, I'm
0: going to be shocked. You may ask why I didn't just turn it off. Well, that's because I was watching it in school.
1: Oh, god damn.
0: (laughs) I thought it was horrible and I was getting out of homework. Look, some people say the dolls are supposed to be creative, but they failed horribly and it ends up just looking dumb. Just don't watch this, Please. It's terrible, and you're being scammed if you have to buy it or sit through commercials. I don't know what the writers were smoking when they tried to make it, and they have this in quotation marks, creative.
1: Okay, this is, normally I wouldn't attack the reviewer, (laughs) but dear kid out there.
0: Brody? (laughs) Is this Brody? Brody.
1: Brody, bud. Yeah. If you're the type of kid who complains about the movie that comes out to get you out of class... Nobody likes you.
0: <laughs> in fairness, this review is eight months ago.
1: But wow, yeah, so, no kidding. They compared it to Maze Runner. Funny. What class? I would have lost my shit to get to watch Labyrinth in school for fun. You fun know story. what I had to this... do because I'm. What were you going to say, Luke?
0: Well, fun fact: this isn't the mm-hmm. only school time review that I found. What and there was the another. Heck? Yeah, there was a, a lady called Gracie who had to watch it for art class. Art class. And. Yeah, and everybody but the teacher thought it was dumb and had no plot. Wow. But they were too similar, so only Brody got the spotlight.
1: (laughs) Wow, that's so fascinating. Y'all are lucky and you're complaining Mm -hmm. about it? For some reason. I I feel like the one time the kids successfully manipulated our teacher into watching something that was out of pocket was choir, I think 2009 to 2010 for me. Don't remember when specifically, but the eighth graders or the ninth graders we were eighth graders Mm. the ninth graders convinced our choir teacher that we should watch william and kate's wedding i was so (laughs) salty about it i I don't want to sit if i wanted to go to a wedding i would i don't want to watch this hours long thing but they were like oh my god it's so special princess is getting married (laughs) even now knowing as much about the royal family as i do i don't care to watch them get married so boring but God, they, that was the one time where I was like, why are we doing this? Otherwise, every other movie yeah. I got to watch in class. I remember, um, I've got a thing for natural disaster movies. And I've already mentioned this to Luke because one of my favorite movies of all time is The Day After Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But there's a movie called Mount St. Helen about the explosion in the 80s over in Washington. And that movie is another one of my favorite natural disaster movies. And we got to watch it in science in ninth grade. And I was having the best time. And everybody else oh. in the class was just... So bored. You're choosing to be bored at this point. You can make things fun for yourself. (laughs) You probably sat there in class wondering why you had to spend multiple days or whatever watching this movie. And you were upset about it. Fine then. Do homework Mm -hmm. and ignore it. What do you want? (laughs) (laughs) You only get so long in your life where someone's going to be like, let's watch a movie and you get to get away with that. Luckily, I still work mm-hmm. in a school, so I do still get to get away with that on occasion.
0: <laughs> well, my
1: teacher last year made up the excuse for us to watch one of the early Star Warses. <laughs> it was like, well done. And um, yes, the kids are brutal on early effects. Oh, yeah. So brutal. But, you know, <laughs> get over it eventually. I feel like you once, you once you understand the flow of time and how time has progressed yes. and how technology has progressed, you're a lot less harsh on movies. If you're also Mm -hmm. a teenager, oftentimes you view movies that are, or shows that are aimed at a slightly younger age than you as being dumb Mm -hmm. because you feel like they're patronizing you at your age just because the character is your age. But there's something very key to remember about the distinctions between what's made for what age group and it's that if you think the movie is made for your age group because they're the characters are your age, it's actually made for the few years below you because you always want to look up to the characters that are a little bit older than you to see what they're doing at their age. You want to be looking forward, not directly at somebody your age, because that makes you feel patronized. Almost 75% of the time, I'd say, Mm -hmm. if you don't pick characters slightly older than you until you're, like, an adult and then we're just hoping anything is set at our age. (laughs) (laughs) so many uh movies are made for high school teens and you're just hoping for at least like a college age adult <laughs> some days maybe even post-grad but you're you're always going to feel patronized down to and then you're going to have a very bratty review just like sarah reacting to these things because you think it's unfair you had to watch something that wasn't for your age mm-hmm. so sorry you missed the entire point of the film brody It's okay, man. (laughs)
0: You'll you'll, you'll get to move on. Very quickly, I wanted to touch on Brody's dismissal of this was supposed to be a musical. (laughs) Oh yeah, I forgot about the singing. It was supposed to be like a musical, but gave me and my friends a headache and made me want to puke. What are your thoughts on the, the songs?
1: I mean, they're all made by Bowie. So... Obviously I think they're fantastic.
0: There's no need to think. They are fantastic.
1: Album for the, for a movie. He didn't mm-hmm. make any of these songs to be chart toppers. He made them to fit the world and the time period. So it's very 80s sounding, which is so fun mm-hmm. to capture a sound so purely of a time period like he did cuz a lot of his music doesn't necessarily sound super 80s. A lot of his music, Mm. even as he got older, continues to sound very 70s. But he really time-capsuled that movie, which, once again, is indicative of Sarah being a teenager of the time. This is the type of stuff that she was interested in. This is the type of stuff she would listen to. And it's got a bit of that that R&B soul feeling to it, which is, once again, not his style. So he went after and created music exactly as it was supposed to sound For that movie. And he had so much fun with it. I... There are so many people that don't know Labyrinth super well. But so many people know Dance Magic Dance. The entire opening of You Remind Me of the Babe. What babe? And people can just do it back and forth. That's such a clever bit of words. And he did all of it. It's... He did. You know, once again, I'll take anyone's review at face value, whatever they want to tell me. But then I also ask, you know, what what kind of music do you even like? Because if, mm-hmm. if your if your idea of a musical is going to be Hamilton, you're going to be so severely disappointed <laughs> going out into the world looking at musicals.
0: Just uh, completely change Labyrinth and add a load of rap numbers in there.
1: Somebody would do it.
0: Somebody would do it. Okay, do you want a? review from the times it's a very short extract from the 80s yes yeah. from the 30th of june 1986 wow yes this is from gene sisco what an enormous waste of talent and money is labyrinth
1: <laughs> i honestly think they made this movie to have fun more than to worry about product they were making
0: Mm. because
1: i didn't see a single person in any of them behind the scenes thing having a bad time even when it got difficult that's i feel like that's also a really strong part of the beauty of labyrinth is they made it because they wanted to there was nobody was asking for that there wasn't a market for this type (laughs) of movie at the time and if i remember correctly it did bomb at the time Mm -hmm. but it truly was one of those things that wasn't made to like Everything's made to return a profit, but that wasn't their focus. They didn't sell out. They didn't go for sponsorships. They, they truly, three people with a decent amount of money said, I want to do this thing, and then they did it and had fun. So, I mean, go off. If you think it's a waste of money, that's your prerogative, but not the point of everything.
0: No, not the point. And I'd say that it's not a waste of talent as much as, like even if you dislike the film, it's not a waste. It's just misdirected, yeah. in your opinion, because it's so much talent and money has gone into this to make it the product that it is. I when I watched the behind the scenes with the the pit of hands, yeah, they went through like days of trying to figure out how to make faces uh, yeah. with hands and, and figuring how, out which ones they were like what use. voices they were going to do, and uh, the individual that plays as Hoggle had to wear these long like fingers. I know that they're quite popular nowadays, but the whole finger gloves mm-hmm. to make their hands actually the, look big and in proportion.
1: The coordination on Hoggle alone, mm. that's three, four different people because I believe there is two people at the controls, ana- animatronic controls for the face. There is the one person who I believe, if I'm not mistaken, might be Jim Henson's son that was voicing Hoggle. But I might have mixed that up. Syncing up with the animatronic people moving stuff around, Mm. doing the voice with Hoggle. And then we've got the actor, the girl that's inside there, Mm -hmm. who had to sync up with all of that. The coordination to do the physical acting, the facial feature acting, and the voice. And they did that all at once. They didn't wait to do it in post. They did it all right there. Man, Jennifer Connelly truly got to experience a ride of... She didn't have to imagine. Shit, it was all right Yeah, yeah I think
0: in the behind the scenes, she says that after a while, you forget that these are many people mm-hmm. orchestrating these creatures because you're just seeing creatures. You're, you're not seeing the guy behind the wall puppeteering you're just seeing the puppet do the the thing you're
1: not even barely seeing strings if there are any on some of them it's really well done hidden Mm. hiding all that stuff
0: exactly so again it's not a waste of talent it's a demonstration of amazing talent and the cost that it goes with it that you just didn't like
1: and i don't know if there was any crossover on this or when jim henson's school for puppetry started in new york Mm. but there's a huge potential that a lot of those people working in the puppetry were some of jim henson's students And Jim Henson's Mm. students are some of the only people that get any jobs doing puppeteering if you've heard of the musical Avenue Q. I'm not a musical person, but I know about Avenue Q. You pretty much had to have gone to some Jim Henson workshops and classes to get to do a musical that involves puppetry or any type of puppetry work where you're on a professional level stage. They want to see Mm -hmm. that you've been stamped of approval by the company that really knows what they're doing. But... It's not a waste of talent, too. If people are there and they're learning and they're building and they're figuring out new ways to do things, they had, they went through a couple different trials of what they were going to do with the Fieries. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how they came to the decision that two people needed to operate those puppets to dance them, but they did, and that's a whole other level of coordination between a lot of different people to make those puppets move. Oh, those I think it move so strange. <laughs> 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 that so, that's part of their appeal. They're uncanny.
0: They are. And I think even then they're using multiple techniques on the different puppets so Mm -hmm. they're using everything that they've learned in the rehearsals and just breaking it up and being like hey we can do it this way for this guy because he needs to do these actions and we'll do it this way for this one because he needs to do a completely different set of dance moves it's such an amazing display
1: it is a lot of work that went into it a lot of work you sometimes might not ever get to use again in your career
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: so fun and different. That's the beauty of, like, all the different acting and puppetry things. You truly are going to get to do certain things you will never do again. hmm hmm And I suppose if you're in a more uh, acceptable career path, you learn the things and you use those things over and over again for the rest of your life. But actors truly are the people who chose to be jack-of-all-trades because we couldn't pick a singular career path. <laughs> we like the acting. You get to learn how to be so many different professions as an actor, so... None of it is ever a waste of time to an actor. You're learning a whole new skill set half the time doing a specific movie or a whole new set of emotions or circumstances that you're going to take with you. Mm -hmm. I I doubt anybody on that film would have viewed it as a waste of time, even if it had completely bombed. Even if it had never been finished and made, I'm sure they all enjoyed the experience of even getting to build the prosthetics and the animatronics and the puppets themselves.
0: Agreed. Abby M, Half Star. (laughs) The fact that David Bowie made all the baby noises in this movie, makes me hate him, and this evil film even more than I ever thought I could. Did he really? Now this, yeah, this the only reason this review is in there, because as a review on its own, it's kind of, uh, there's not a lot of substance to it, but it's because of this review that I went in and looked, and he did all of the baby noises for Toby in... Dance magic dance. I knew it was and in a couple the of other song, things, but I didn't
1: think he did them for the yeah. actual movie. I knew it was his version of the song. He did the baby noises.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a couple of scenes where he does the baby noises because Whichever actor was playing Toby at the time, because I think there's at Toby least two is babies named
1: Toby. There was one baby. His name was Toby. Well, yes. And then they have the puppets. Oh God, that's some of the the puppet, the baby dolls, the terrifying baby dolls.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. The... But
1: it was it was just the one. They You couldn't tell
0: names. exactly what it is. He was apparently um, yeah, too you can... calm.
1: He, it was so hard to make him cry.
0: Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It was uh, little the Toby. Idea of directing because isn't it the, the chickens, saying too. that I you remember, shouldn't? He, he
1: makes a comment about babies and animals. And he did both. Yes, for one movie. There's
0: a sequence in the behind the scenes where they have like six or seven chickens, and they're like, "Oh no, I only want the one." So they have to like scramble, and they get the one. The one just flies off into the rafters. Yeah, it's I mean, like, like okay, we'll high. just we'll just let that one uh, calm down a bit. Poor <laughs> chickens. Last one, and this is a nice one. I'm finishing off with a nice negative review. It's only nice two negative. stars. How Ooh. how lovely is that? Oh, Good old fantastic. Joseph B. Good
1: old Joseph.
0: This film. May surprise in the visual and sound departments, but everything else lacks. The story is nothing short of straightforward and unimaginative. The acting and voice acting are hokey, but Jennifer Connolly is just awful. All the songs are fat, which could easily be trimmed away. The moral, don't take things for granted, is told at the very beginning rather than introduced gradually or subtly overall the film casts a spell of corny childishness that keeps you captivated in disbelief
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's that's humorous the the only moral to be learned being don't take things for granted that's not even the moral man you missed it it flew right over your head again Wow. <laughs> don't take these... The entire point of Labyrinth is don't take my baby brother for granted. No, no. No. You're just learning how to blame him for the mistakes of your parents. We've we've already been over that. There's also... Life is the bigger one. Her dealing with the fact that life is unfair. That's just the way it is. Mm. You need to accept it and continuing to go. That doesn't have anything about taking things for granted. She simply hates the lot in life she's been given and she constantly complains about it. And the really, really good line Bowie has in response to that is well, after she says, it's unfair. You, he says, you keep saying that, but I wonder what your basis for comparison is.
0: Yeah. And I love it's that. a very good Zinger. point
1: of her life is not great. <laughs> Where's the fairness? What fairness are you thinking of? That is, and you wish you could give her a more stable life. Well, then you wouldn't have the movie. And then at the very end, The most important speech that they give to you in the beginning, and you just completely threw away if you wanted to say they gave us this point in the beginning, is you have no power over me. At the very end, she has to remember that that's the monologue that truly grants her her freedom from the world being unfair because she can control her outlook and her mindset on things. But also that she has learned... I don't want to say personal responsibility necessarily, but she has learned that she is worth more than the attention that she is given. And here here comes the whole David Bowie playing the villain part of this. Some of his lines completely get glossed over because Hmm. he flat out states that he is playing the role she expected of him. And... He has this whole line about fear me, love me, do as I say, and I will be your slave. Because he, it's it's said in the very beginning that the Goblin King is in love with the girl and he's given her certain powers. And that is why she's able to wish away her baby brother. But it brings into this element of Sarah wished for a villain. She expected a villain. He took her baby brother, even though that was what she asked. And so because... This character, this mythical creature is in love with her. He does what she wants because that's what she needs. And you start to see towards the end of the story that, and this is where I believe that more the more side of this is a real world she went to rather than just something in her head, because he starts to take on autonomy that doesn't have to do with any of her wishes. And if it were just a machination of her head to teach her a lesson, the main oppositional character wouldn't have his own wishes on the situation wishing that she would recognize that he is not the bad guy, that he is simply doing what she asked of him he is trying to manipulate her into not going back but I feel like the ironic thing is he's probably the first somewhat adult figure in her life to give her the attention she expects and she needs Mm. he keeps showing up to thwart her from her path but she he he keeps showing up he's there and he's responding to the things she wants and he's directly responsive to her it's he's he's a fascinating character study of if you want to believe in the fact that this wasn't all the dream alice in wonderland style that there is someone out there if you want to go into the mythic side of it that his job is to take away unwanted children Mm. and that that is something he does there's there's a lot of um in-depth of the mythos of the Goblin King and what the realm of the Underground is, a lot of it is that he is fae and that that, his specific kingdom, the Goblin Kingdom, is just a portion of the Underground realm which would overall be ruled by Titania and Oberon, most likely. This is the whole underlayer of where they're getting the backstory of Jareth the Goblin King. But if his lot in life is to be this immortal creature who takes away the unwanted, it's not the first Mm. time he's offered... To let someone run the labyrinth to get the loved one back that they wished away. You bring into this whole side of things, how many times has somebody wished away somebody and not wanted to get them back? How many times has it been children in abusive situations that heard of this story and were able to wish themselves away? There's there's a whole element to like, if this character isn't just in Sarah's mind what that means, what his character is, and that if his character is beholden to the rules of the labyrinth, the character's been wished away, I have to offer these people a chance to get back their loved one. Mm. But I have to play this role. I have to be this character. And Sarah is the, one of the first times where he's 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 fascinated with her. Uh, he turns into the owl. So it's thought that in the beginning, he's the owl watching her in the park, and he's the owl watching from the window outside at the end. Yeah. There's much more of a almost Phantom of the Opera-esque potential level of obsession if it is not just in her head that he has with her. Which is just, that's that whole much more mythical element that doesn't ever... I don't ever see regular people catching on to or thinking about because most people will accept it as Mm. the dream it is. If it's just a dream, why are they all partying in her room at the end? Why do they come back to this reality where we started?
0: And well, delusions <laughs> um, I know Yeah, no, it's also To kind of go off that a bit Is, with your Statements that this isn't the first time it's occurred Is If Sarah doesn't get Toby within the 13 mm-hmm. hours Toby will turn into a goblin Yeah Which is underlining the fact that every goblin that you're seeing Yep
1: Could Is potentially
0: an unwanted child That mm-hmm. Bowie took because they he was it was no, asked Jareth. asked of him it was asked of him yes. to do Gareth. there's
1: there's also the potential that the goblins are an entity themselves and that that is the threat mm. but that the babies or kids become either changelings or given to um creatures of the realm other fae
0: um mm. there's a
1: lot of mytho- mythos a different mythos about fae creatures about whether or not they can even have kids because most of them are immortal and that some of them do want to raise a family so they do just end up Elsewhere, that's way far away from what we know of in the movie. But yeah, if it's potentially the fact that like he has no choice, and this is what the labyrinth is, and this is what the labyrinth does, and you—he has a lot of goblins. He does little, have a lot of creatures go- that never grew up and drink a concerning amount of liquid that is most likely Brummer beer.
0: With the
1: chickens like. They don't they do grow do. up. But you you can almost tell by the way he interacts with the baby from the beginning. Oh, he's a lively chap. I think I'll we'll call him Jareth. He's hmm. a very egotistical guy. You think he'd name uh, one of the other goblins Jareth? <laughs> um, oh, no. There's also some of the mythos that he's not fey, that he's just a higher form of goblin, and that there's just different species of goblin. There's a lot of different mythos that you could apply to the background of this if you view it more as fantastical and not just Alice in Wonderland dream style. Yes. Which I find so fascinating, so much deeper than probably they ever even intended with making the film. But at the same time, whoever wrote Bowie's lines and the lyrics he put into the songs, Within You, Mm. is the one where a lot of those lines are about um, how he can't continue to live up to her expectations. Um, How you turn my world, you precious thing. You starve and near exhaust me. Everything I've done, I've done for you. I move the stars for no one. You've run so long, you've run so far. Your eyes can be so cruel, just as I can be so cruel. But I do believe in you. Yes, I do. Live without your sunshine, I believe? Love without your heartbeat. I can't live within you. Which talks the entirety about the fact that he appreciates who she is as a person, but he can't live within her expectations of him. Like, that's not who... He actually is. Which wow what, really what I love that deep hidden meaning to the <laughs>
0: movie. For for the people at home, because you're not getting to to witness this. That was all off the top of my Oh the, yeah, I, the, I didn't look nugget. that up. She you just remembered all of those lines. I <laughs> I watched this film a few hours ago and I couldn't remember <laughs> it that deeply.
1: Um I joked because Luke, you told me to rewatch the movie and I said, if I have time, but I can play it in my head.
0: <laughs> um,
1: and I've got I do have the entire thing. Completely memorized. A lot of the lines, not just the music, I know. Because mm-hmm. it, um, it is my favorite. And I, love, I love music movies. I love a good Disney princess movie or Disney movie in general with music. But Labyrinth really hits that sweet spot of being... It's a kid's movie. It has quite a few mature themes hidden in there. It's music by one of my favorite artists. Mm-hmm and it, oh, it's just it's just such an interesting combination of fantastical elements and it's also not made by disney it's <laughs> not made by it's it's lucas films isn't it yeah it is lucas films
0: yeah yeah it's yeah i think so i feel like you've already just done it but for those at home who haven't watched the film have clicked on this podcast have listened to the next reviews and adequate defenses <laughs> what would be your final like closing statement to truly convince them to give this film a watch
1: if you've never seen it before as an adult and you have no idea who Bowie is then it's probably going to be a bit lost on you what the point of the whole movie is but if you're a fan of Marauders if you're listening to the audio project and you've never seen Labyrinth that's within the right time I know a lot of them are fascinated with Bowie because of one of the other very well-known fan fictions of that group, all the young dudes, Bowie is like the primary artist that Remus Lupin loves. Remus Lupin would love the shit out of this movie. <laughs> so would all, all four Marauders would adore mm. this movie. And definitely <laughs> they would argue over who got to dress up as the Goblin King for Halloween. If they celebrated <laughs> Halloween, the way Americans do um, it's, It's fantastical. People oftentimes, we didn't talk about this part at all, but people um, who are even slightly attracted to the male figure, Bowie is gorgeous Mm -hmm. this entire movie, even with the fantastical elements of his hair and the weirdness. Mm. His outfits are fun and fabulous and so interesting. There's so many elements to this film that you're not going to be expecting. We didn't even cover on the fact the three. We mentioned Hoggle a bit. I mentioned Ludo a bit. We didn't talk about Sir Didymus. We did
0: not. The dog
1: they use for Sir Didymus. We have the Bog of Eternal Stench. We have all the various little goblin characters that are in and out. If you have seen things like The NeverEnding Story, you will love this movie. And it's less sad than The Never Ending Story. Dear God, that movie is depressing, even as an adult. <laughs> I literally had that thought this morning when I woke up and I was like, if there's anything about how the stakes in Labyrinth are too low... I'm going to go ahead and mm. say, at least we're not traumatizing people with the pit of sadness. And don't give in to the sadness, <laughs> Artax! You're giving in to the sadness! <laughs> Why would you put that in a children's movie? That's... The horse fucking succumbs to depression <laughs> in Neverending Story. The horse!
0: Uh, <laughs> gotta traumatize them kids, though. The
1: poor horse. Artax <laughs> deserved better. But Labyrinth is a much it's a much more thorough examination of character... Circumstance, and it's a really good look at not just taking something for surface value. Mm. You look at Sarah, and you think she's unlikable, and you think she's a brat. And if you don't ask yourself why people act the way they do and dig into that, then you're never going to understand anybody's actions in your life. And you're always going to think that people are always doing things because that's who they are. Or because that's how they want to make other people feel.
0: hmm
1: And that's... that's It's always really interesting. You do that with both the main characters with Jareth and Sarah in this movie. And you look at their motivations and who they actually are claiming for themselves to be. And you find a whole other realm. And then you get to sit there and enjoy all of the glitter and puppetry and music. hmm And the fact that it isn't that high of stakes and it is fun. And you get to watch this girl build relationships Even Hoggle, he has a whole character development in and of himself about how he's supposed to be working with Jareth and he truly learns real friendship from Sarah and has to learn what that means. And that's such a cute subplot of him because there's never any references even in this movie to body image, to self-esteem. It is all taken at face value without having to worry about... It's not the typical teenage things. Mm. Nothing she's upset about is, oh, the boy at school doesn't like me. Oh, I'm getting bullied. None of her problems are those obvious teen things. And that's why she's so easy to view as a bratty character. Because it's not obvious why she's bratty. What's upsetting her. She seems like she has everything. She seems like she's fine. I don't know if I'm convincing people to watch it or simply going very psychological about the movie, but <laughs> I thoroughly no, no, enjoy it. No, I think it. you've
0: done, yes, I think you, you've made your point very well there. For those at home, I don't think I've hidden my feelings at all this episode. You can tell I'm a little rusty. Uh, <laughs> because yes, no, this film is awesome, and you you shouldn't take it for granted. <laughs> you shouldn't take hey. it for
1: granted! <laughs> Like that one reviewer,
0: but um, exactly. But yeah, no, it's very much what you said. It's the it, you can look at the surface level and I feel get a good enough time, and then you start looking at it deeper, you look at the backgrounds, you see the if you look at the talent, you can't not fall in love because there's so much work and so much love being poured into this creation that just by your contact with it, it's going to rub off on you and you're also going to mm-hmm. just fall in love with this film. So definitely give it a watch if you haven't.
1: And if you, once you do, watch the behind the scenes too. Oh, to yes. really see what they did to make this movie. It's, that's so fascinating to watch them. And they're all on YouTube for free. All the behind the scenes. You can find everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Now, other than watching the behind the scenes inside the labyrinth, Sarah Lena, what would you double bill this film with? It's movie night. You're going to watch two films. One of them is Labyrinth. What is the other film you watch?
1: See, you told me this at the beginning that this was coming and I still... <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. ...am wondering to come up with something.
0: Ooh, I mean, we can, autom- ooh, we can straight away I've take out a something. few of them. Oh, go it's on then. Str-
1: it's a strange thing to do it with because I don't necessarily want to watch something that's the same twice.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And
1: this this is going to be obscure and potentially hard to find. It's not quite a TV show. It was a made-for-TV short series of, like, four or five episodes. Okay. But they play as a movie if you watch it on its own. Mm. It's called... See, I always mess up with the title of it. It's either called The Room or The Key. It was made for sci-fi. Okay. And it is of this man. I believe he's a detective.
0: Mm. And
1: there is this hotel room, frozen in time. That the objects from said hotel room, when removed from it, have certain powers to them.
0: Oh, okay.
1: The problem with it is finding the hotel room and why it exists. The guy loses his daughter to this hotel room. Like, it, it, it she plays with the key card, it opens, It any door can turn into the door to this hotel room. But uncovering the mystery mm. to why this space in time, this created liminal moving space exists... Mm -hmm. but it's this, it took my father and I years to find this again, because it first aired in the two thousands on sci-fi.
0: Oh, wow. We
1: (laughs) Loved it, but neither of us could remember if it was called the room or the key. I'm pretty sure it's called the key I'm going to go with. Mm. Um, We couldn't find it anywhere for years because the online capabilities of the two thousands weren't there yet. Mm. (laughs) Sci-fi didn't have a history of it. And it wasn't on Netflix yet. Even though we had DVD ordering, we couldn't order it. Um, we couldn't mm. find it. We kept trying for years and Gosh, years and years. DVD until DVD f- ordering. I know. We had Netflix from the beginning.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we had streaming as soon as it came out. Um, but the I think we finally found it again in the late 2010s. He was able to find it again. And it's got its own webpage for this little-known series now. But it is... It's that foray into trying to solve the mystery. You've got all these pieces. The guy loses his daughter, has to figure out what's going on there. It's got a bit of a... You think about Doctor Who, you think about the Weeping Angels and you get stolen from time. There's mm-hmm. a bit of that element. Some people get sucked okay. into this hotel room and end up in the 60s and then have to live back to the present.
0: Oh, golly.
1: And the, the, all of the objects that get taken from this room have some really strange properties and it's figuring out why this even happened. It's Mm. very much so set in reality, but there's this one massively weird thing going on. And I've never heard many people talk about it, so I'd much rather open up with being like, here's where we're starting, and now I'm going to fuck with your head. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, completely go away from puppetry and go into more of that small, made Mm -hmm. sci-fi that fascinated me as a child. Okay. Because I probably first watched that was like nine or ten, and I didn't watch Labyrinth until I was older
0: mmm so yeah that's what I'm that's pick. what I'm gonna
1: pick because I was sitting here being like nothing seems like it would mesh well and now I also want I feel like I should double check that I'm thinking of the right name of it
0: okay uh yeah you've checked that yeah. and I'll throw out some other options of course I feel like there are some pretty obvious options if you wanted to do a puppetry night then dark crystal and this would make sense if you wanted oh a yeah. labyrinth night labyrinth and then pans labyrinth all right would-
1: the lost room the The lost Lost room Room. okay 2006 science fiction they call it a television miniseries but it's about four hours if you watch it all together so it's not it was only three episodes that's why it plays more as a movie when you watch it all together
0: Ah. Um,
1: yeah but in 2006 so i literally was 10 watching this oh god yeah everyday items from the room which possess unusual powers he has to rescue his daughter, Anna, who disappeared inside the room. And it was once a typical 1960s motel along US Route 66. And it's existed outside wow. of normal time and space since 1961, when what is referred to as only the event took place.
0: The event. Oh, I love mm-hmm. the mystery.
1: And I believe, I feel like his daughter is one of the Fanning children, but I can't remember anymore. They're everywhere. The Fannings are everywhere.
0: <laughs>
1: but yeah, the lost room look that one up definitely probably never heard of it in the least hipster way possible if you have your either my age or older and watched a lot of sci-fi on the sci-fi channel
0: (laughs) (laughs) in the 2000s the only other things that i could think to double bill this with would be alice in wonderland yeah and i think the princess bride would be an interesting mix with this princess bride yeah
1: that's a lot of people's favorite isn't it I, could I think also it
0: came out around the same time, maybe? Or See, ever. I'm trying just to have that vibe.
1: pair it with things, because I watched Labyrinth when I was slightly older, so I'm trying to pair it with things in my mind that I would have watched with it when I was younger. But my taste in movies since I was a child is not normal.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> That's fair.
1: <laughs> it's definitely when I'm like, Labyrinth is what I've picked as my all-time favorite, mm. and then I've got a natural disaster movie. Listen, if you're going to have a night of watching my favorite movies, put on Phantom of the Opera 2004 (laughs) with Emmy Rossum and Gerard Butler and Mm -hmm. put on The Day After Tomorrow with Dennis Quaid, Jake Gyllenhaal and Emmy Rossum. And here's to my face blindness (laughs) for not realizing that Emmy Rossum is the same person in Phantom of the Opera and Day After Tomorrow. I had no idea that was the same woman. And they were filmed like
0: within a year or two of each other. By Jove. What are you you like? What are you like?
1: Apparently, Emmy Rossum, okay. I like.
0: Fair, fair, fair. Right, we, we've, we've done it. We've, we've spoken it. for an want, excessive amount of time. We
1: have. Do you want two more additional fun facts about Labyrinth? Oh, always. Hit me up. have never heard. Yeah, do it, do for it. For one, there is a yearly Labyrinth ball in California that goes to extreme excess to mimic the masquerade scene in the movie. People, there's huge costume contests building these elaborately. Think like Met Gala. But mm-hmm. niched. They niched right into that labyrinth vibe. Oh, wow. Every year in California, this takes place. Um, and there's a whole Facebook group for them as they talk about building their costumes. And if you're going and what? that's okay. fascinating. Second thing. I love that thing. If, you, if you're if you interested in that type of thing, if you live... I don't know where it happens in California, but mm. I, eventually that's, not, that's on my like bucket list of to-do. The other thing. The park in the beginning of the movie
0: mm-hmm.
1: is in... A town in England it's about an hour outside of London called not me forgetting the name of the town as soon as I go to talk (laughs) about it but there's I was pronouncing it wrong for ages it'll come to me after I talk about it for a bit but me I had a friend be like let's go view this film location I want to go to the park that Sarah was at we get there Mm. to this relatively small town And the park is only open on, like, Tuesdays and Wednesdays for a few hours. A park. (laughs) Oh. Only for a few hours. It was so strange. And we had come on a Sunday, thinking that's a normal day to go to the park. We did not get to see the park. I was very disappointed that I'd gone to all this research effort to figure out where this filming location was and didn't get to go. However, in this town is um, Hellfire Cave the hokiest tourist attraction underneath a big <laughs> hill mound that has a mausoleum at the top with a ton of graves and uh that was what we did instead was went into this hell fire cave <laughs> instead of getting to visit oh, golly, okay. the labyrinth filming location and that is forever one of my saddest side quests because i will have to return to this town it wasn't easy to get there you had to take a train and a bus and then another bus to get to this place Mm. and watch me be able to come up with the town name a lot faster once i can zoom into
0: west wickham west oh west wickham
1: west wickham yeah Ah, okay that's where it is and what i love
0: that as you are an international caller, um, I would have never been able to be like, oh, this is one thing in the US, and this is another fun fact... For a different country.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was just, I found it so funny that they even bothered to film in the US. They were like, bam, we're going to need to use the US to make sure people know this is America. But the rest of it, we're filming in the UK. And <laughs> um, that park is just so gorgeous and magical. And I wanted to visit it so bad. So the fact that I got redirected to this hilariously hokey tourist attraction <laughs> in this small town. This was an old, mm. small, small town outside of London. It was gorgeous. The Little Hellfire Cave. I wrote my own fan fiction based on it because of the fact that I had to go there. I was like, this is funny. I'm going to... Um, and the mausoleum on the hill that the cave is under is gorgeous. It's a, it's a gorgeous place. Mm. But I wanted to go to the freaking park. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, I guess it's private property. And that was never listed anywhere online. It never listed that it had hours... And we had to walk on foot for a good chunk of time to even get to where we were going and still... Oh, what? We spent an entire day on this side quest only to not be able to do it. <laughs> One day. Ah, shucks. I shall return One West day, Wickham.
0: It's still on the bucket list. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hopefully with a car next time, though.
0: Yes. <laughs> next time, vehicular transport. Truly. Is there anything you'd like to plug? This We've, we've reached the end of the show. Do you want to tell the people where they can find you and what you're up to.
1: So the thing Luke and I are working on is an exclusively audio project that we have on YouTube that also has um moving repetitive image visuals of the Marauders era. We talked about the story at the beginning. Feel free to look up either my name, Lena Powers or Lena Films on anything or Marauders Audio Project and you will find all of our links, all of our socials, all the things we're trying to do with the project. They are nearly 3 hour long episodes. There's going to be twenty of them. There's three out so far. Um, depending on when this podcast comes out, there depending might be the on when this comes
0: out, there may be more. <laughs> there may
1: be more. We're trying to we're trying to get them out um, once every two weeks right now. If we can speed up that timeline, then maybe I won't have to keep posting them until July. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping to have this all posted before summer. Mm. Summer for us on the western hemisphere i should say (laughs)
0: since it's
1: currently summer in the eastern hemisphere or eastern lower lower Mm. southern hemisphere is where it's summer see if i understand the world right Ah. feel free to check those things out if you're big on tiktok at all we're interacting a lot with that space and it's Mm -hmm. fun it's a really interesting take um if you want to dig into the characters of sirius black and remus lupin regulus black james potter if you want to learn about and peter pettigrew and lily mm-hmm. evans all those characters plus so many more including <laughs> luke's character who is lucius malfoy yes everybody's Big bad least favorite
0: Listen, least favorite person. least
1: favorite even over voldemort <laughs> i'd be like mm.
0: yeah yeah in this story lucius is definitely like an umbrage Where we look and go, oh yeah, no, Voldemort's the bad guy, but we really hate this character more. Yeah,
1: and you don't even hate him that much in the later, in the main films, but it's a really interesting look, and we Mm. have a really strong advantage with what we're doing, that there is, with the exception of, like, Sirius Black and Remus Lupin, at their age they use in the movies, we don't have any established voices, or really firm character establishments, and Choices took what we did have, of canon, put that into the story, and then expounded upon the the tragedy of it all so mm-hmm. and the found family and the fun and what a world what a wizarding world is like not being constantly under threat of voldemort personally mm. harry has to deal with the personal effects every single year but the marauders don't they a lot of their no, early no. issues deal with friendship relationships growth growing up and in that way it's much more innocent and much more tragic what happens to all of them so if you're interested in being sad (laughs) come listen to the Marauder's Audio Project it's also it's also very fun if you only listen to the first episode you'll have a great time
0: oh yeah first episode fun and wholesome then it just slowly just a little bit of trauma in that one Regulus really brings the trauma (laughs) oh yeah 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 yeah. but yeah but then if you want more from you.
1: You can find all of my stuff under the same things. I use Saralina or Saralina Lynn on all social medias. Um, Saralina uh-huh. Films is only for YouTube, but if you look up Saralina in general or Saralina Lynn, pretty much anywhere on the internet, you will eventually find my stuff. I've been curating my online presence since 2008. Oh. Smart little 12-year-old me. <laughs> claimed a name, claimed a username, and it has worked to my advantage. So yeah. Well
0: done. Thank
1: you. <laughs> Thank you. Good job, small me.
0: Good job, small you. If you'd like some more from Your Favourite Film is Awful, of course, we've got the YouTube, we've got the podcast, we're on Twitter, Instagram, as Film Is Awful or Your Favourite Film is Awful, respectively. So yeah, catch up with us whenever you want. Yay. Otherwise, I hope that you've had a lovely day. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. We're done now. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.